Hi, Christian Yordanov here. Uh, today I want to talk to you a little bit about why low-carb and ketogenic diets are not good for longevity. They may allow us to achieve certain goals, short-term goals, but they, for when it comes to long-term health, increasing your longevity and so on, they're very much suboptimal diets to utilize on a constant basis. And I'll explain a little bit why. I go in quite a bit of depth on this topic in my latest book, How to Actually Live Longer, Volume 1. So check the link around the either the episode description here or on the, if you're watching this on the website there'll be a link to the book i highly if you're interested if you're interested in this topic you know if you've been on low carb diets and they didn't work well for you well there's a reason why they didn't work well for you i highly recommend checking out the book you will learn a lot about how to improve your health and by virtue of that improve increase your longevity so let me t let me start with the keto diet. Now, one thing you have to understand is <clears throat> the keto diet was designed to mimic starvation, literally. So that already tells you, kind of intuitively, is is that if you signal to your body that it is in a state of starvation, do you think that would be conducive to good ter good, good long term health? I doubt it, right? So the keto diet was designed to mimic starvation in order to help children with basically drug-resistant epilepsy, right? So that, that's what the, the, the diet uh, is, is still used for. And it has now, in more recent years, it has, they are researching it for other disease states and this is what you have to understand so it, it does have therapeutic value <clears throat> but if you're healthy or in, in okay health it's likely it's not the optimal diet for many reasons and which i'll go into um in more depth now but even if you listen to somebody like dom dominic diagostino he is a low carb or keto diet researcher he's a phd and I've heard him on, on podcasts say that he's more interested in its application in disease states. And he said it's, he doesn't recommend using the diet long term, right? So if the, the, the freaking researcher that studies this stuff and is part of the, 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 the sort of the group that popularized it, if he himself says it's not to be used long term and it's more <clears throat> he's more interested in it being used for disease state what does that tell us about going on this diet for months at a time it's it's very much a bad idea which again let me get right into it so what and this again i go into more depth into this in my book i explain sort of a little bit about the physiology just an overview of how how does the body survive and operate on a low-carbohydrate diet? So the first thing, as I, like I mentioned already, you have to understand is restricting carbohydrates sends a signal to the body that is very similar to just the fasting, over, like completely starving, not eating at all, fasting. So just tweaking the carbohydrate content of the diet down 
has that effect, right? But what happens then? So you go on a low-carb diet, and during the first two, two days or so, two, three days, depending on how replete you were with glycogen, you know, your the way glucose is stored on the body is in glycogen form. So you might have overall maybe 500 grams of glycogen, which of which about 100 grams are in the liver. That's used to maintain your blood sugar level, keep your brain alive and so on. And then you have your muscle glycogen that's used for basically muscular work activity and then the muscles tend to <clears throat> they tend to preferentially burn fat at rest right so that spares glucose for the central nervous and the brain right so <clears throat> you, you you listen to some biohacker podcasts like i did back in 2018 you know you're listening to all these guys and keto is so amazing so you're like oh my god this is amazing i need to get key i need to get ketones in my body, you know? So you go on a keto diet, cut the carbs out. The first couple of days, you're still using up all your glycogen, right? So at, at, a, at some point, when you deplete your muscle glycogen, depending on your activity levels, your liver glycogen will, will become depleted. You, you, start cranking, you start cranking out more glucose in the liver. So this is, this is kind of the part people gloss over when they talk about the diet. So when you don't have glucose coming from the diet, the body must produce a bunch of glucose. So um, a brain, normal brain, is estimated to consume about 120 grams of, of uh, glucose a day, <clears throat> right? And then your red blood cells, they consume about 30 grams of glucose per day. To get into the ketogenic state, you, you need to kind of re reduce carbs down to about 50 grams or perhaps less per day. Uh, some people can, can remain in, a, uh, in ketosis with higher amounts of carbs, but generally, generally, you know, a very low carbohydrate diet is considered to be either fi under 50 grams or under 20 grams of carbs per day. So think about it like this, right? If your brain and your Red blood cells, which, by the way, the red blood cells, they don't have uh, mitochondria, so they can only use glycolysis to, uh, to create energy. So, you know, th they don't have any other way. They can't burn fat or ketones, right? So this is what people have to understand. Even if you go into ketosis, you are still producing glucose every day. It's just the burden is lessened by the liver now creating more more ketones, right? So let's say you're on 50 grams of carbs a day. For the first few days, while you're still, you're up, you, especially if this is your first time going keto, your body sort of has to upregulate the, you know, the the machinery. So for, for fat oxidation, burning fat for fuel, you know, these processes take uh, time to ramp up, so creation of new, enz new enzymes and so on and so forth. So during that time, you're in overdrive. Your glucose, your uh, liver is creating glucose in overdrive. And that is a very stressful process by virtue of the fact that it is itself driven by stress hormones, right? This is what people like have to understand. A lot of these things, that which is what I talk about in the book, a lot of these things nowadays that are considered healthful or whatever, 
they are actually putting us in a state of stress. <laughs> so to create glucose, the liver kicks or rather is, um, uses a process called gluconeogenesis. And that uses um, amino acids, <clears throat> which the amino acids, they need to be deaminated, right? Uh, this process uh, uh, releases ammonia. So if you do a lot of this gluconeogenesis, it creates toxic byproducts that have to be detoxified, which costs you energy. So, you know, it's it's not like gluconeogenesis is sort of some low-carb proponents um, talk about it as if it's the way, the, only, the, the best way for the body to create glucose on demand when it needs it. But they seem to have to gloss over the fact that the process is driven by cortisol, glucagon, and, and so on. And uh, these are, again, stress hormones. So the other, the other, um, the other component for, to, that you can make glucose from is the glycerol backbone from the fatty acid. So the, the triglyceride or the tri triacylglycerol, as it's also known now, that contains a glycerol backbone that kind of holds together three fatty acids. So they, they get broken down. The three fatty acids can be used to, you know, create ketones or to be, you know, burned uh, for energy by the cells oxidized. They can also be used to create signaling molecules and in, be used in cell membranes and so on and so forth. So the glycerol backbones of those, if not used to create new triglycerides, they can be joined together to create glucose. So that's another pathway to create glucose. But here's the thing. That's a very negligible pathway to creating glucose. So people, some low-carb proponents say that, you know, that glycerol will turn into glucose and everything will be fine. You have enough substrate to create glucose. But again, I think something like a kilogram of triglycerides has enough glycerol backbones for like 10 grams of glucose. In fact, I have it in the book somewhere here. So wait, sorry. So 3,000 calories of fat in a day or 3,000 calories of triglycerides which is about 333 grams of it, will only make 33 grams of glucose. So, you know, 333 grams of fat for the 3,000 calories, that's a stick and a half of Kerrygold butter. You know, nobody, <coughs> nobody's eating that much fat, you know, on a, on a keto diet. And even if you do, you're only going to make 33 grams of glucose out of it. So the fact is that your body even when you reach ketosis which takes several days during which during which time you're in very much a high cortisol state high catabolic state you're breaking yourself down you're literally breaking down your body to to give amino acids and and other substrate to the liver to create glucose right so you are it's a cat the the keto diet is a catabolic state because again it is designed to mimic starvation. And the way you create glucose when there's none coming in from the diet is through stress hormones. Now, a few days into it, you start making ketones and people think all is well. You just have to reach ketosis and happy days. You know, everything is dandy. But here's the thing. Again, uh, it's only, I think, about 60 or so percent, 60 to, to 70 percent 
is sort of the contribution that ketones can give in terms of a substrate for energy creation. So you're still going to be burning some fat and you're still going to be producing glucose. So think about it this way, just go to go back to the example at the start. <coughs> if you have just for your brain and red blood cells uh, a need of about 150 grams of carbs a day and you eat 50 grams of carbs, that's a hundred gram deficit. So for the first, the first few days, that hundred grams, you know, you you need to break down a lot of tissue. If you, here's the other thing, right? You, they say you can also use the protein from your diet, right, to create the glucose. But the, that's again another. It's a toxic process somewhat because the deamination process releases ammonia then you're wasting precious protein which could have been you know grass-fed steak expensive food you're just wasting that to create glucose right and <laughs> there's a, a study i cite in my book that the let me just get get the the citation so these guys are fairly i think jeff volick was uh, one of the one of the uh, the lead author on this one, I can't remember off the top of my head now, who's a big low-carb guy <clears throat> or keto guy. So they the, the quote from their paper, I think it was like from the early 2000s, casein and meat protein can be converted to glucose at about 50% efficiency. So approximately 100 grams of protein can produce 50 grams of glucose via ne gluconeogenesis. This is what they state in their paper. And they just gloss over it as if it's nothing, right? A hundred. So think about it this way, yeah? What is it? Seven, seven ounce steak, about 300 gram steak. That, or let's do it this way. Like let's say about a pound of meat or half a kilo of meat, roughly. That would be roughly, let's say about a hundred grams of protein okay roughly you if you eat that there's a chance your body will basically convert that 100 grams of protein to glucose on on a low carb diet or a keto diet so how wasteful is that you know that's a few tablespoons of 50 grams of glucose that's like three tablespoons of honey it's preposterous, you know. We wait, we like, we are wasting so much high quality meal, uh, um, so, so, so much high quality food on these low carb diets. And I just thinking about how much good quality meat I wasted and protein I wasted on my low in my low carb days. And the, by the way, there was another paper I didn't cite it in the book, but if it's your own muscle tissue, let's say, or your own lean lean body mass, the metabolic cost to turn that into glucose is about somewhere around 30 30 percent 33 percent so 100 100 grams of your own let's say muscle being broken down that will yield around perhaps maybe 50 60 70 percent uh, uh grams of of muscle tissue because you know obviously some of the amino acids will be used for other purposes and so on but keep in mind this is a catabolic process that is driven by stress hormones. So cortisol signals tissue to break down. 
that can be anything up to including parts of the brain. So joints, skin, bone, muscle tissue, or parts of organs, right? Because it's well known that when you fast or you starve, your organs become smaller because the body is consuming itself to stay alive. And it's the same story with the keto diet because, again, it's designed to mimic starvation. So, not optimal so far. Now, you may, you know, if you're a, an Olympic-level mental gymnastics champion, you may come up with some bullshit theories about why and how low-carb and keto can be beneficial if, you, if you're young and, or whatever. But when it comes to longevity, this diet, these low-carb diets are not optimal for longevity. Because again, a lot, of, a lot of the physiology of how we survive when fasting, as I've mentioned before in other um, episodes, and low-carb diets, the way we produce the glucose to keep our central nervous system and our brain operating, subpar, by the way, is through stress hormones. And stress hormones, as you will see if you read my book, stress hormones age us prematurely. They contribute to disease. They're associated with increased mortality, increased incidence of death in older age. And uh, they precede and are they precede and are a component of, of disease. Most any disease you can think of has a cortisol component, right? <clears throat> From cancer to depression to, you know, just name anything, diabetes, whatever. So why in the hell would we want to go on a diet that <clears throat> the way we operate while being on the diet is through stress hormones? Why? What is it? Why? If our goal is longevity, it's it's really a bad idea, guys. And then the the, the studies on keto, goddammit, like this this is another thing that's so annoying. So all this okay, yes, there's hundreds of studies on the keto diet, and they're all high-fiving each other, did such amazing things, right? But here's the thing: <clears throat> most of the studies are one to three months long, right? So you can you can design and get a lot of benefits from a lot of interventions. If you have a bunch of overweight people that are eating the standard American diet and you put them on a plant-based diet, if you put them on a carnivore diet, if you put them on a freaking fruitarian diet, right, they're going to see a lot of benefits. But here's the thing. A lot of the benefits of the ketogenic diet studies are confounded by the very substantial weight loss that the people, the, part, the study participants experienced. So you, you cannot, what's what I'm trying to say here? You cannot say that the keto diet interve intervention is what caused the benefits if there was a bunch of different things that happened to the person while there. Let's say someone did a keto diet, but they also, you know, took a bunch of supplements and they also lost a bunch of weight, and then they, you know, they they, you know, did exercise. You cannot say 
that it was the keto diet if there was a bunch of confounding variables or factors. So if people, let's say if someone loses 20 kilograms, 45 pounds uh, while doing a diet, was it the diet? Was it the vegan diet? Was it the carnivore diet? Was it the keto diet? Or were all those benefits that they got from losing the weight, right? Their insulin resistance improves, they snore less, so they breathe better, so they sleep better, so their partner sleeps better, so then they fight less, so then they're happier during the day because their mood is better, because they're better rested, so their blood pressure decreases because they lost weight, and so on and so on and so on, right? The people like, people are like, oh, pay them more compliments on all the weight they lost. So that that's the thing, you know, that's that's the magic of keto that is not so magical when you actually break it down. People, because they're eating a high-fat diet, uh, they feel more satiated, so they tend to eat less. That's why people lo lose weight on the keto diet. And because low-carb diet doesn't allow, you know, Twinkies and Doritos and crap like that, all the, you know, ultra-processed high-carb garbage with that also has seed oils, Because people switch to more, you know, butter, cheese, meat, maybe some some low carb uh, vegetables that they may not even have eaten before. So you're eating better. <clears throat> you're eating a, lo a lot less inflammatory garbage like seeds, nuts, and so on. Well, maybe you you might eat nuts because they're you know low carb, but you're eating less grains at least, and these are very inflammatory crappy foods so you get, you remove the stuff out of your diet you you were you feel more satiated because of the higher fat content you eat less you lose a bunch of weight which by the way is not very healthy to lose a lot of weight quickly i talk about that in my book as well so it's actually very important to learn that if you have weight to shift it's really you have to play the long game because it's actually very dangerous losing a lot of weight quickly is associated with uh, increased mortality and stuff like that. So I'll probably do a separate episode on that, right? So that's kind of the the magic of keto. <clears throat> Excuse me. The magic of keto is eating less and eating better high quality food. Well, you know, you know what? You can do that with any you, you can do that without restricting carbohydrates. Eat real food, don't buy ultra processed garbage. Cook your own meals, buy grass-fed meat. You know, buy organic cheese, dairy, fruit, honey, you know, white rice, basmati white rice, you know, make, um, get some organic oranges, make your own orange juice or eat them whole. Just eat real food, eat all the macronutrients in relatively balanced ratios and removing that the garbage from your diet you know the inflammatory stuff and just the, the junk and the seed oils that alone for many people is enough to help them start getting healthier and lose weight without having to restrict various sort of macronutrients but here's the thing right so it, it goes beyond beyond this so we 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 already kind of touched on the fact that keto mimics starvation so what what does the body do if it perceives to be in a state of starvation, of, of famine. Well, naturally and quickly, very promptly, the body 
begins to lower its metabolic rate because and the, the reason it does it very quickly is let's say you you're going to let's say you're you're starving for a month if you if your body only got the message and started doing something about it on week 3 well you wouldn't we wouldn't have survived you know however many millions of years or whatever we have so the body is very quick to respond to nutrient deprivation starvation famine whatever you want to call it lack of food because that will ensure its survival right so let me just see the the study here so th there was one study where the researchers had the participants on a ketogenic diet without a reduction in calories i'll add for four days and th this is the quote from the from the paper that i cite in the book so the hormonal pattern switched toward a catabolic mode with a fall in insulin levels a rising glucagon which is a stress hormone a significant fall in triiodothyronine and rise in reverse triiodothyronine were observed while thyroxine levels remained unchanged. So triiodothyronine, that's T3. That's kind of the most active thyroid hormone. And um, basically catabolic mode means breaking yourself down. You are cannab cannibalizing your body to remain alive. It's literally what happens when you fast or are nutrient deprived or you know starving you're cannibalizing your body breaking down its bone tissue joints skin organs muscle to create mostly to create glucose and you're at the same time you're also shutting down non-vital for survival functions right so fertility you know joy mood creativity higher thought future planning because you just you 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 become you go into survival mode so this is what i what, this is kind of when i got the when i understood all, all of these things when they clicked for me i'm like do i want to be do i want to utilize a diet modality that works by signaling my body it's in, in it's starving do i want to my body to be forced to triage the small amount of glucose that it has to create on its own, right? Because here's the thing, if you have a lot of glucose coming in from, from the diet, there's plenty for the brain, the blood cells, so your immune system, all, all these functions have plenty of fuel to go, uh, to, 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 to allocate to everything, right? Your, your, the testes, for example, the testicles, they, they they need glucose so if you remove glu the glucose let's say uh, you know someone my size you know something like 200 250 grams of glucose per day would be like a, a fair amount a moderate amount wouldn't, wouldn't be too high wouldn't be too low so if you remove that and you go on like a 50 100 grams of glucose a day the body has to create whatever there's where whatever deficit there is it has to create that glucose and it won't go above and beyond what's truly necessary right because it's it, there's a lack it's like if you're if you're um you know if your expenses are two thousand bucks a month 
and you suddenly your income is 500 bucks a month when you get that 500 bucks you're not going to spend whatever amount you used to spend on you know your netflix subscription going to a restaurant or whatever going to the you know going on a weekend trip away you're going to spend that money just on the rent just on the food just on the bills so it's very similar in the body i think that's kind of a a good analogy the body will triage and shut down or lower any functions that are not absolutely essential for survival. Right, and then I think, so the Inuit, so some people, this, I talk about the Inuit, right, in the book. So, some some low-carb low proponents are like, well, look at the Inu Inuit, you know, they, they just ate seal blubber and seal meat for centuries and they, they're totally fine and they survived. And yeah, well, they may have survived, but did they thrive? Are they thriving? When you look at the Inuit the, or the Eskimo uh, around Canada, well, their life expectancy is something like 12, 15 years shorter than the, the average Canadians. So it's they're not a good example for a low-carb diet being so optimal for longevity. They, they, I know there's a lot of other variables and factors and hardships that they go through, but it's clear that the low carb diet is not you know it's not magical when it comes to longevity and, and performance or whatever it, what's another thing that's interesting about the inuit is they have a mutation in a gene cpt1a which actually impairs their ability to create ketones so even with all that meat and fat they were actually not in ketosis Right, so they were basically surviving a lot of the if it was a low carb life, a lot of they were turning a lot of they were increasing fat oxidation, and they were turning a lot of the protein they ate into glucose, which again it's that's the gluconeogenesis process, which again is driven by stress hormones. That's what people have to understand. Gluconeogenesis is the body's response to a lack of exogenous dietary glucose coming in so it it revs up this process in the liver it creates glucose out of amino acids and glycerol backbones and so on and the signals for that to, to for that process to be upregulated are stress hormones and obviously a lack of lack of glucose coming in from the diet upregulates cortisol and when cortisol goes up, other stress hormones tend to go up. So adrenaline can go up. And, you know, <clears throat> if you add, let, 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 let's say you're not in ketosis and if you're fasting and on a low-carb diet, well, Jesus Christ, it's I've been there. You know, I've been there and it was horrible. But only the only the reason I survived it is because of, you know, when you're young and healthy, you, you can plow through a lot of these stressful activities and I remember I, I, um, I would intermittent fast while doing low carb or keto and then I even would try to do a couple of days water fast and I would try to go for walks while on them and just the whole process was horrible but you plow through it and this is what I'm trying to to help people right now my my clients are not 
I have some clients in their early 30s and a couple of clients in their in their 20s, but most of my clients are, are on the older side. And uh, this is what I'm trying to educate people is these things that quote unquote work when we're younger. And by work, I mean, we we suffer through them because we have so much we, vitality and reserves and health to draw on still. But these things... Are, are a terrible idea now for longevity and just for general health. But actually, as I alluded, they were a horrible idea even back then when we could stand them, when we could plow through them. Because once you understand the mechanisms, and that's why I wrote the book I want to, so, I, so for my, for my um, <clears throat> when I sign on a client, I want to give them the book so they can have a resource to understand the, the, the sort of the reasoning behind my recommendations to a greater extent so that they understand that we're some of these things the transition might be uncomfortable they they it might feel counterintuitive because we're bombarded with this horrible health advice in the mainstream but once you understand the sort of the very high level physiological mechanisms you, things make a lot more sense, right? So that's why I wanted to write the book. Um, the, the first volume is more about these things, about reducing our stress because stress diminishes longevity. And um, low-carb and keto diets are uh, associated with an increase in stress hormones, right? So what, let's talk about weight loss. Actually, I think I, I already talked about weight loss. So the, the, the keto diet is not really a magical loss, fat loss tool. In fact, there was a, Cochrane, a 2022 Cochrane review of 61 randomized controlled trials with a total of almost 7,000 participants that compared low-carb and balanced carbohydrate diets efficacy in reducing weight and cardiovascular risk, quote-unquote. And this is what um, I cite from that paper in the book. There is probably little to no difference in weight reduction and changes in cardiovascular risk factors up to two years follow-up when overweight and obese participants without and with type 2 diabetes mellitus are randomized to either low-carb or balanced carbohydrate weight-reducing diets. So here's the thing. If you compare a low-carb diet to a, let, let, let's say, balanced whatever uh, macronutrient ratio diet or even a low-fat diet, the low-carb diet will result in the most weight loss in the first, let's say, six months. Probably no question about that. Keto diet, low-carb diets will result in the most weight loss and very likely the most fat mass loss, right? It's very, very likely that both of those will be, there'll be greater loss of those, which tell people are like, well, there you go. It's more effective. But here's the thing. This is what you have to understand. First of all, I already explained that losing weight very quickly is, is actually associated with increased chances of death or increased incidence of death, to be more correct. But why, here, you have to think about it like this. <clears throat> why does 
a person lose a lot more weight and fat mass on a low carb diet than the other diets. And when you think, when you actually, when it clicks, you're like, oh, okay, it makes sense. So the reason why is because, why do you lose weight? Why are you losing weight? Because you're in some kind of energy energy deficit. Not enough fuel is coming in for your energy demands. So more weight off of your body has to be converted to, to energy. And that weight will include fat mass and lean, lean tissue, bone, muscles, and organs, and so on. So, the and again, here's the thing: the the process is facilitated by stress hormones, cortisol, growth hormone, glucagon, adrenaline, and uh, so on. So, what does that tell us? Well, the reason why people lose more weight on a low-carb keto diet is because it's a hell of a lot more stressful. So there's because there's a, a lot less glucose coming in from the diet, a lot more glucose has to be made by the body, by the liver, through this process of gluconeogenesis, which also happens in the kidneys to an, to an extent. So... More stress, which means more stress hormones, more catabolism, more breaking down the body, more lipolysis, uh, more sort of breaking down fatty acids, more circulating toxins coming out of the fat stores, more circulating poly polyunsaturated fatty acids, causing organ damage, causing vascular damage, just causing inflammation and so on. So you lose more weight, but is it comes by virtue of the fact that you were a hell of a lot, excuse me, a hell of a lot more stressed. So when you when that makes sense, it's like it 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 really should make us just stop and think for a second. Is this why the keto diet is now being promoted in the mainstream and even doctors and everybody's is recommending low carb diets and keto diets? It, is this why? Because it gets results fast? It's, it's, it's exactly the paradigm that we've been indoctrinated into of treating symptoms and you know, getting rid of the symptoms as quickly as possible. So if you go on a low-carb diet, you shift a lot of weight quickly. You know, you, In the beginning stages, it's mostly water, glycogen. There's a lot of intramuscular water that is released so th that that looks like your you know that symptom starts to improve very quickly right and then over over the months yes you lose more f fat mass but again it's because of the the high stress of the diet and and the, the other reason they you know people go on a low carb diet is because it reduces their blood their high blood sugar right so people with diabetes and insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome might see a benefit there but here's the thing you're reducing the high blood sugar not because you fix the the metabolic problem but because you have taken one source of glucose from the diet out of the equation so now the the it seems like the 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 numbers on a the, the on the test 
look better and you know your doctor might be happy you might feel relieved okay my blood sugar is in a more normal range now i've lost a bunch of weight uh, i've you know i lost five kilograms this month and uh, whatever or five kilograms last month three kilograms this month and you're thinking everything is getting better i'm getting healthier right but are you getting healthier that is that is the question your body is being signaled you're in starvation mode it's lowering your meta metabolic rate it's it's upregulating stress hormones to create the glucose that is in deficit that's not coming from the diet you know th there's all that lost weight all those toxins and polyunsaturated fats they cause damage to organs and 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 tissues and the vascular system and so on so yeah you might in the short term the, the let's say three months or whatever you might feel like you're, you're getting a benefit and some of that benefit could be from the weight loss some of the benefit could be from removing starchy grains ultra processed foods eating more real food you know more meat more cheese more dairy less you know grains and garbage and whatever other seed oil laden garbage uh is available nowadays which is you know ev it's everywhere pastries blah 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 cupcakes whatever else so there's a lot of things that are happening to give you the the perception that you you know things are going well but you know it's not optimal this is what i'm trying to tell people yes it if you're in the if you want quick results it could work but you were paying the price with a me lower metabolic rate all those toxins being released the the body being signaled starvation mode all the stress hormones that are aging you prematurely so the this is what people have to remember if if those are the benefits, if weight loss, if the, the keto and low carb diet benefits are the weight loss, the improving the diet, being more intentional with the diet, well, let's just start focusing on diet quality first, right? Removing the, uh, so the, the best carbs are, you know, plain white rice, basmati is good, uh, fruit, honey, maple syrup, uh, you know, milk is, you know, meat, dairy, just real food, no just minimize the ultra-processed garbage that will taking all the grains and all the, the stuff with the emulsifiers and the chemicals out that will also give your gut a break so a lot of immune and inflammatory things that seem to be cured by the keto diet it's it's not necessarily the keto diet it's that eating just more plant uh, ju just plain plants meat just really one ingredient single ingredient foods and no no ultra processed garbage that is really the benefit you can achieve that benefit without starving your brain and your nervous system from the glucose that they require to function right so this is i think where where we we kind of conflate the benefits of keto and low carb with with a lot of other stuff that can be achieved without without necessarily being so restrictive right so that's kind of a little bit of the story the this chapter in the book this the section in the book is about 10,000 words 
I think it's about a fifth of the book. Which, by the way, this book, I, the reason I, I have it, it's a couple hundred pages, small format. You could really, I, I, I read this book in, when I was editing it, I could read the book in two, in two days. I could read the entire book while editing it. So you could read this book very comfortably in one week. And all the, all the benefits of reading it, you could implement very quickly. I have a, an appendix with some of the supplements or all of the supplements that I mentioned in the book. There's an appendix where you can, you, you can get them and implement them into your routine and they can you know help out a lot. And it's not just about supplements. It's about what you don't do and just dietary stuff, etc. But, um, it's a, it's a fast read. That's kind of my intention. So people can read the entire thing and apply all of its uh, advice because you can, that's the beauty of it. You're better off reading a short book and implementing the advice than getting a 500 page monster that you you get lost in and you you know it has a lot of stories and beautiful prose but relatively little in terms of actual applicability to to our our life especially when you're busy and have kids or business or or a you know busy job i want to give you things that are quickly actionable that will make a truly uh, they, they will make a true impact on your on your lifespan and health span and help you achieve your the best health that your current genetic potential can express so that's the book get the book highly recommend it looking forward to to coming out with the second volume there'll be more more stuff there i'll be focusing on detoxification and other stuff like that on 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 in the second volume so yeah keep an eye out for that um also if you need personalized help i offer uh, health consulting for folks that want to optimize their health and longevity. Look under the hood with some advanced functional lab testing, figure out where the metabolic blockages are, what can be improved, any subclinical sort of deficiencies or um, yeast or pathogenic overgrowth and stuff like that. Nip those in the bud <clears throat> because these things can, over time, they can lead to more inflammation, more oxidative stress, deplete our sub-nutrients, signal st a stress state to the body that increases stress hormones. There's a lot of little, these little things, one of them, two of them, they're minor, very minor, but it's like the death of a thousand paper cuts analogy. So these little things, each one of them might age you half of a, you know, a, a tenth of a percent or whatever over like a few years, but they add up and some of them uh, compound. So, Catching as many of them, ameliorating or mitigating or eliminating as many of them early on, the earlier the better is, is best. And then I also help people navigate chronic and complex health issues that they've not been able to get help from other means. So if you need help with either of those two, please get go to my website, christianjordanov.com and uh schedule a free consult free free discovery session that we can you know so we can meet and i can hear you out here where see where you're at and explain how i can help you out if i can if we're a good fit to work together that's on christianjordanov.com book is on amazon link will be down below in the description and uh, yeah thanks for listening and um, yeah listen go in if you haven't got honey go go get yourself some honey or maple syrup 
before bed tonight, eat three, about three tablespoons of honey half an hour before bed. I, I'm sure you will sleep better. If, if you're, especially if you're like on a low carb or a lowish carb, moderate carb diet. So, so many people that try that. I've had clients that it completely resolved their health or their sleep issues, right? Just the honey before bed. I we we never had to discuss sleep issues again after that, right? It's it's because when you when you take some especially honey because it has a mixture of fructose and glucose, and fructose seems to um, replenish liver glycogen really well. So when you eat let's say dinner at 8 and you're going to bed at 11 that's three whole hours that you you're you you have a, a gap right so that you're by the you know by midnight 1 1 1 a.m. you could be you could be in a pretty depleted state of uh, in terms of your liver glycogen and um that's going to cause stress hormones to go up glucagon cortisol and so on so when you take some honey some clean carbohydrate before sleep you're adding you're topping off your tank you know if your tank is your liver so you have more fuel during the night to keep your brain alive to feed your keep your blood sugar um, stable and feed your um, um, central nervous system and so on so the more topped up you are prior to bed the longer you will go go without kicking into what i call in the in my book stress mode right so th this is kind of in hindsight i used to have a lot of sleep problems and they were completely resolved by just eating a bit of carbohydrates closer to bedtime and you know stopping the low carb madness right so i used to think like why the hell can't i sleep there's so many and uh, my blue light game would be so good you know we have red led bulbs in the in the apartment and my blue blockers and just supplements like GABA and all this other stuff. And I still would wake up at night and I, or I couldn't fall asleep. And it's because the stress hormones are keeping you awake. So if you wake up very early and you can't fall back asleep and stuff like that or in the middle of the night, it's because uh, most likely because of the stress hormones. In some people, it could be a hormonal issue. And in some people, it could be parasites or some type of other gut dysbiosis. But it's usually, mo most often, it's some type of blood sugar dysregulation or just a lack of a lack of such. So the the body must kick into glucose creation mode, which, again, to drill it in, is driven by you know cortisol, stress hormones. So these stress hormones amp you up, adrenaline, cortisol. These amp you up, keep you up. So if you're, if you're, you know, in this kind of hostile, irritable, hangry state a lot of the day or sometime during the day, think about what did you eat last? When was the last time you ate? Did you eat enough carbohydrates? Are you eating enough? Because if you don't eat enough or if you skip on certain macronutrients, like I explained, your stress hormones go up and that's going to... It's gonna mess up your your mood and your whole overall disposition. 
And I'll tell you, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. It sure as hell is not a good longevity strategy. Okay. So hope you found that useful. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening and watching.